0: God laid this message up on my heart several years ago, and, I, and I've shared this in the past, and it's been quite a, quite a number of years ago when I did. Have you ever been in a situation where you were just at a place that you just did not know what to do? Everybody, anybody ever had a situation? You, you are in a financial situation, you are in a physical situation, you are in a fearful situation, you are in a, uh, whatever it could be. It could be anything that's coming against you, anything that's warring against you, and you get to a place in your life that you say, I just don't know what to do. And we say that to God a lot of times. Well, I want to take an Old Testament story that's really interesting that will show us tonight, and we're going to bring it into New Testament times and things. But I want us to open up in prayer tonight because I want God to help you to get out of the situation that you're in. Amen. Who wants to get a victory tonight and get out of some things that we face a lot of time in battle of faith? And if you have, if you come to me tonight and say, you know, I've never been there and I've never had a problem that I ever had to worry about, please see me after church because I want to talk to you. <laughs> Because we as individuals, Jesus told us that in this life we will have tribulations and things are going to come against us. And we're going to have things. The enemy is going to war against our hearts. Amen. But Jesus said that he would be the victor. He was always there with us. He said, don't fear because I'm with you and I'll be with you to the end. So let's pray tonight and let's just ask God to fill this place with his presence. Father, we just love you tonight. And we glorify you and we honor you tonight, Lord, because you are our salvation tonight, Lord Jesus. You're the one that we trust. You're the one that we know is not only the one that walks ahead of us, but you are also our rearward guard, Father God. And I thank you tonight that you're going to stir us up tonight, Father God. You're going to stir our hearts tonight. You're going to open us up, Father, tonight that we can trust you with everything that's within us. Father, thank you tonight. Father, many in this room may be facing battles. Father, it could be marriage problems. It could be financial problems. It could be things that the enemy is trying to bring fear in God. But I thank you tonight. They're going to find something through this tonight, Lord. I believe with all of my heart that's going to take them through to the victory, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, we know we need you tonight to move in a mighty, mighty way. Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way in this room. Father God, come. Father, move and stir up hearts tonight. Lord, don't let us leave, as I say each week, the same way we came in that door. But be better because we've been in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know it's going to be good tonight because, boy, the enemy's tried everything in the world tonight to war against me. So I want you to turn with me if your Bibles and I think Charity's been able to get the scripture up. She came in tonight, she said, uh, did you forget to send me something? I said, no, I'll send it to you, but she never got it. So she at the last minute, can we give Charity a hand tonight, amen? <laughs> at the last minute, at the last minute, she pulled all this stuff together. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses one through 30, and we're gonna go through this fast tonight. I promise we'll be out by midnight at least. Um, <laughs> We're going to try to go through this, but we're going to take an instance of where. How many of you have heard of Jehoshaphat? Anybody ever heard him before? That's a that's a mile full of name. And how'd you like to be named Jehoshaphat? I I got the fat part, but you know I me, mean? but I don't know about the Jehoshaphat. Part. But anyway, let's start in verse one. I want to, I want to make some points tonight that I think will help you because here's Jehoshaphat is now faced in a situation where the enemy is trying to come in and to take over. The enemy is trying to come against him, and he, he, we're going to see how he handled this situation, and I really think it's going to teach us some stuff. Look at verse 1. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them others beside the Ammonites, came against Jehovah to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they came to Hazar Hazar Tamar, which is in Igadi, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. So the first thing Jehoshaphat did was he admitted that he had a need and he sought the Lord out. You see, sometimes we have a tendency that we just, we think if we don't look at a situation or if we don't face a, how many has ever been, just, just throw it out to you've been sick before and you think if you don't think about it, it'll just go away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or we face a problem and we, we we're fearful to face the problems that are coming our way and we're and, and we really don't want to pay the price sometimes that we have to pay to get through them. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you? We want it to be simple. We want things to happen. Here's Jehoshaphat. He began to fear. He admitted himself to fear. But what was the first thing he did? What did he say up there? He went to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast. How many times do we get into situations and battles, or you've been in situations and battles, and we try everything but God? We say, well, let's see what, what would do, man do. What would the doctor do? What, what would this guy do? What would this guy advise me to do? And the Lord sometimes is the last person in the world. We, we, you know what I mean? When we run out of options, we say, okay, God, I've done got everything else out of the way. Now I'll come and help you get you to help me. And so Jehoshaphat, he immediately said himself and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judea. Why, why, do, we, why do you think fasting is good? Anybody know? Do what? Deny our flesh, that's right. It, because it intunes our heart to God. How many of you remember where the, the disciples were trying to cast out some devils and they couldn't and, and Jesus told them, said, this only comes out by prayer and fasting? Now, let me tell you something. I've learned something through this. It's not that the fasting causes the, 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 the Lord to work any harder or that's the only way the demons will come out, but what it does, it lines us up to get our hearts right, to get us in a place that we can pray with faith and pray knowing and believing. Because it gets all the doubt out of the way. See, fasting, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. When you, you know, somebody said one time, why is it they got to get hit in the bread basket every time we get, the Christian people want to hit you right in the bread basket. But you know, I found that fasting does make you have to lay this flesh down. If you don't think this flesh has strength in your heart or strength on you, when you stop, just stop eating for two or three days. If you ever notice, man, your body will be crying Murder. I mean there's times I've been fasting, I promise you my stump, stomach was wondering if my neck had been cut. Have you ever you, you ever felt like that? So he was willing, he was willing to he was willing to go and set himself and proclaim a fast. Now, first of all, he admitted that he had a need. If you go to Isaiah 58, 6 through 9, you might see where Isaiah talks about fasting and what the things that fasting does. I don't know if you, oh, look at there. Man, is that girl good? I'm telling you, she's so good. He said, is this not the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and what? And that ye break, how many yokes? Every, Every yoke. That's why it's good for us to do a little of it sometime. You may say, boy, i tell you what, I'm in a a dire strait right now. Pastor, if you had any idea what I'm going through, I'm going through a nasty divorce. I'm going through uh, my children are doing things. Have you thought about taking some time and seeking God's face and proclaiming that fast in your life to begin to hear and to clear your heart till you can hear from the Lord? Amen? Amen. Let's keep moving. I told you I wanted to go through this quickly. Got a lot of points to make, and I want to get through with it. Now, second of all, look at 4 through 7. And, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now, see, it's amazing, the people came, and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord, uh, excuse me, O Lord God, our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And thou rulest, excuse me, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou not, I love this, art not thou our God who didst didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? Let me tell you what he did. Jehoshaphat, And I don't know if she got these points up, but let me say the second point is not. Jehoshaphat reminded all of who God is and what he had done in the past. Have you ever thought about sometime when we start doing things that we have to remember that we have to remind ourselves who the Lord is? We got to remind ourselves who we are in him. Are you making, is that making sense? I put a little note down myself. I wanted to tell you a little story from one time that happened. I was, I was farming back years ago, and we were farming, I don't know, a couple thousand acres of cotton and soybeans, and we tried our best to not, um, uh, not farm on Sundays. That was just, I mean, now, some people say, well, that's just one of them religious things. Well, we dedicated that. My dad grew up in a Baptist church, and to work on Sunday was the unpardonable sin, just about you understand what I'm saying. But at the same time, we wanted to give our people and our workers time to get off and go have that day to give it to the Lord. Now, most of the community over there, Sunday was another day of the week. I mean, every farmer in the community would do it, and it got down to where I was just about the only farmer in the whole area would do it. And, and, and you don't know how hard sometimes it was, especially when we were way behind farming. You know, bad cotton needed to be planted or corn, I mean, corn or beans or whatever, and everybody's just a-blowing and going, and I'm headed to church. You know, and thinking, you know, deep in your, the, the old flesh start working on Yeah, them old boys, they put getting their crop in, and you're going to lose your crop while you're going to church. See, that temptation, the old devil began to plant those seed in my heart. Yeah, yeah, you're going gonna to trust God. Yeah, they're doing what's smart over here and let them do what's, well, I never get, we got all our cotton planted, and cotton had gotten up about this tall. And, and one night, we got a, mind me, today, but we got a horrible storm came through. Franklin Parish. I, I was Louisiana boy back then. Now, I don't talk like an more in boys now. We're not that kind of Louisiana. I was from north Louisiana. <laughs> we, we had the southern drawl, okay? But we were, we, i never forget, we got up one morning and man, it had hailed and stormed. It was terrible. It, I mean, it, 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 wind blew. It was nasty. And it had hit the whole, uh, we would call, you'd call it here county, but it hit the whole parish that I lived in. But I'll never forget, I got up, Pastor, and I began to look, and I walked outside thinking, and and, and we knew it had been hailing, and I walked outside to look at my cotton, and I looked at my field, and it was just as green as it could be across the field. I was like, thank you, Jesus. That's really cool. So I was really happy about that until I started looking across the fence at one of the places I worked, and their land was slick as that floor. It had broke every cotton stalk in their field. And all of a sudden, I said... Whoa, Lord. But I was farming scattered all over the county. I mean, I was, uh, the parish, I was all over. I mean, I had farms that were 15 miles apart. And I began to watch in every one of our fields. We had one field that was about 10 acres in the middle of hundreds of acres. It destroyed every stalk of cotton, except my little 10 acres that's sitting right in the middle of it, right up to the fence row. Right up to the fence row. And this happened all over the county. We did not plant one stalk of cotton over, not one. And God reminded me, he said, son, you give me your time, I'm going to take care of the rest of you. Amen. Amen. I don't have any other explanation but that. That's the only explanation I can say, God. And, and people began to ask me, I don't understand this. You ain't got any cotton torn up. And somebody said, how much you planted?" Oh, I had to plant all of it over. How much you planted, Don? No, I didn't have to plant a stalk. Not a stalk got broken in my field, hardly. And they're just like, what, you know? And I said, all I can tell you is Jesus is in charge. The Lord is in charge. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, man! You don't think He'll do a miracle? Oh my goodness! And look at verse eight now. And they dwell therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein, for thy name saying, uh, name saying. If when evil comes upon us, listen to this, because this boy we talking about this old coronavirus and all this mess going on. Listen to what He says here. And when evil comes upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, what, what do you think coronavirus is? It's a pestilence, okay, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house and crying to thee in our afflictions, then thou will hear and help. Amen. Let me tell you something. God is just waiting for you to cry out to him. Y'all believe that tonight? So here's my third point: God is our only real help that we can go to, and there is no plan B. I never forget I was going to Winsboro one time and and we had some we had some uh um uh, some stuff going on, and uh we had had a terrible accident Brendan and I had. <laughs> And 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 you know lost our middle-aged daughter, and, and, and just a lot going on. And man, we ever endless chasing lawyer. And if you're here tonight, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to fuss, but they had come. Oh, you need to sue. You got to sue the state. You got to get this. We, you know, just sue, 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 sue. You know. And of course, you sit there and you're still in a daze from all the things that happened. But I never forget. I was going to Winsboro one morning, and the Lord asked me, Son, let me ask you a question. Am I your salvation or is that lawsuit you're thinking about your salvation? I said, (laughs) whoo. I said, Lord, you know I am. He said, then you need to drop it and I will take care of you. And I thought, but wait a minute, Lord, you just, but but, you know, come on. I mean, you know, I mean, my lawyer had mentioned to us when he was talking to us that it would be a million dollars settled without even a question. But see, God didn't want me, Pastor, to live off that. What he wanted me to do was to trust him. And God told me going to town that day, he said, son, if you have a plan B, you never thought plan A was truly going (laughs) to work. Y'all follow what I'm going here? You see, Jehoshaphat acknowledged that God was their salvation. He acknowledged that when things come their way, guess what's going to happen? He said, when things begin to happen, let me go back to that verse real quick. He said, he said Lord, when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in the house, and I cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou will hear and help. Now, that don't get any simpler than that, does it? So what are, we, what are you doing for when things start coming against you? Are, you? are you grabbing on to everything you can think? Man, let me read this, fact, this article in the magazine. I know it's got to be some Man, self-help books. We are so full. The church sometimes is so full of seven steps to make you feel better and so many things to do when all they need to do is be crying out to God and letting the Lord take care of it. Now, I'm not, I'm not against books that help people. Don't get me wrong. Now, let's look at the next, because here's where we got to be careful, because this is where things can start turning on you if you don't. Look at verse 10, 11, and 12. And now behold the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade. Do you realize that those were the ones that God would not let them invade when they were going into the land to take the land, and yet now here they are, the ones that are about to come after them. (laughs) Have <laughs> you ever wondered sometime you think something's in your life and you go my goodness I, I've got this problem God I've been praying about it, and it's not in there but let me tell you something you may think something that's in your life that you think God I don't know why you removed it give him a chance because he may take that very thing and bless you with it in a soon time because listen what happened he said but Lord he said you wouldn't let us you wouldn't even let Israel do uh, come against them they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and destroyed them not and behold I say how they reward us to come and to cast us out of thy possession which thou hast given us to inherit. They're about to come Lord and take everything you've given us. See that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to come on in there and take everything God does it but listen. Oh our God wilt thou not judge them for we have no might against this great company. Let me tell you something. This army was way bigger than what Israel was. And you may think tonight, my problem, that God, I don't understand why you've let this happen. How many times have people blamed God for what's going on in their life? <laughs> you did this to me, Lord. Why did you do this? Why did you let this happen to me? Anybody said that before? Come on, let's get real here tonight. We—you know, I'm not preaching. I'm meddling tonight. Think about, think about what I'm saying. Have we not sometime wanted to point the finger and blame God? How many people have say today, well, you know, if we had a loving God, there wouldn't be nobody ever get hurt or anything, get sick or nothing bad would happen. <laughs> Come on, you with me? Amen or owe oh me, you know? Think about what I'm saying to you. So many times we think the very thing that the enemy is doing is overwhelming, and he began to look at this, and he said, Lord, these people are about to kick us out of our inheritance over here, and you've got to do it. And, and God, won't you judge them? And, and I, want you to, I, I, I want you to get a hold of this because this is good, man. This is good stuff that's about to come now. For what? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. God, the circumstances look impossible. How many of you have had circumstances that just looked absolutely impossible? Anybody had some of that before? But listen what happens. The third point. Don't let discouragement come by looking at the circumstances. Anybody ever, you know, isn't it funny how that we can be going so good and, and everything's going fine and, oh, we hit, something hits us and then we back up about 10 feet. Sunday morning, we brought, we, we, I don't, we, Brenda and I are trying to shovel some meat down here to our children, okay? And we, we studied Sunday morning about the, four kinds of soil that, that are there. And we even had all the different soils and stuff laid out for them. You know, that old hard soil and some... And, and, and one of the things that was interesting, you've ever heard the thing about the... where the seed fell by the wayside and we had a little concrete block, it'd be like us going out there and throwing them on that asphalt out there sometime. And then we talked about the the the, the rocks and how the some of the seed would fall into the rocks and then the thorny things. Now... We tried to tell the children that so many times that second group of people, though well, the first group of people, when things come and we just look at those situations and we don't do anything about it. The Bible said the birds just came along and picked them up. The devil will just come and rob that right out of your life if you don't apply what God has given you right off the bat. You follow what I'm saying? Sometimes God will allow these seed, I think, sometimes to be thrown on the rocks because if we don't do something with what God gives us, Guess what? It's not gonna do us any good. You know, I've I've used this example at church. There's a lot of people that will sit there and they will give, feed me, preacher. <laughs> feed me. And, and and they almost have to burp have to burp so they can get a little out so they can put something else back in there. You see, there's a lot of good stuff that's been going in there, but they haven't done a thing with any of it. See, Pastor J.P. can get up here and beat his, beat his brains out trying to teach the Word of God to us, but if we don't start applying that Word to us, what good is going to do? It'll be just like the things that fall on that rocky ground. And then the second one is this, and I want to get to this real quick, because this is what I think is, it's like the seed sprang up in some old shallow rocky soil, but it had no depth to it. How many times people have said, God, I'm going all the way with you until discouragement comes? And then we're about ready to start singing, God, come get me because it's just too bad. I can't handle it anymore. See, sometimes God will allow things, I believe this with all of my heart, to come into your life to show you the strength that you have within your heart. How would we know if we're strong or not if we never had to face anything? Some of the best things ever happened in my life have been the hard times I've had to go through. It's never always things don't have to be easy. But here we can't allow discouragement to begin to come. You ever notice that when you can be going strong and if you start getting discouraged, you just, you just get lower and lower and lower and lower, you know. And after a while, you just can't hardly it. You're just so depressed you can't get out of the situation because all you can see. And the lower you get, the bigger the circumstances begin to get to you. Some of you tonight are facing mountains in your life. You you with me? You see it, you're down in the valley and you're looking at a mountain facing you in your life and you say, preacher, you just don't know. You have no idea what I'm going through. You know what? You're probably right. But I know somebody who does. How about Peter? Peter. Peter was jumped out of that boat. Lord, if it's you, just bid me to come. And Peter jumped out of that boat and he walked on water. I've heard people say, yeah, that Peter, he just, he got discouraged. Let me tell you something. He walked on water. He's done something I haven't done yet. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, there had to be some faith there. I mean, there had to be some preacher. Don't you agree, Pastor Kim? There had to be something there. He got on that water and he was walking toward Jesus until what happened? Hmm. He started focusing on what? The storm. You see, if all you do every morning is get up and say, oh, woe is me. Oh, it's just bad. It's just not going to be good today. You know, you understand know what I'm saying? I, I, I told them Sunday, I, I mean, the other night I said, I, I know somebody in our lives, our personal lives, and I want for the sake of saying that, that everything they think is happening in their life, they're just like, this is all I get. All, nothing but disaster always just strikes me everywhere I go. Well, Sunday night we start talking about as a man thinks, so he is. And if you're thinking there's nothing but disaster in your path, guess what you're going to have? Nothing but disaster. All right, let's keep moving. Now, and all Judea stood before the Lord and their little ones and their wives and their children. And I, I'm going to skip to 16 real quick. Let's just keep moving because, I mean, at this time, well, let, we'll back up. It says, then Jehezrael, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Zerah, some of these names, boy. And Matthaniah, the Levite, the son of Asphah, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, hearken ye all of Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For what? For the battle is not yours, but whose? God's. Hallelujah. Think about this. The battle is not yours, but God's. Think about this. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up uh, by the cliff of this, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness as they rule and ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Hallelujah. Don't don't that make you want to shout? Let me tell you another point tonight. Remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. I have been bought with a price. I'm not my own anymore. The Lord owns me now. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. He bought me with a price. And that price is the fact that I can now know that God, I am your person, your son, your your creation, and Lord, you're the one that's going to take care of me. (laughs) Amen. Come on. Give the Lord a hand tonight. (laughs) Back in... Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. I guess it was back in the 80s. Farmers were going back when I was farming. Farmers were going to really, things were really tough. And, and we had had to borrow some low-interest loans, some, some FHA loans. They would come in and help us. I mean, our crops one year were just terrible. And we lost just, just thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And I went to, I got out of farming, we had that accident back in 1990, we had the accident and I'd gotten out of farming, and in about 92, FHA came out with a program that says, we're going we're gonna to give you farmers a chance to get out and monitor all this debt. And the way we're going to do this is, we're going to do what we call a write down program. And the write-down program, basically, at that time, I owed them about $200,000. And somebody's going, ooh, $200,000, oh, my gosh, you know. That wasn't nothing when it came to farming money. You could just, I had friends of mine that owed millions to to, to the FHA, FHA Farm Home Administration. And they said, we got a write-down program. All you have to do is to come in, fill out an application, and we're going to see what we can do. So, man, I'm over here, hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. I'm just, man, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Good times is coming on now, you know what I mean? You're thinking, man, I'm going to get out of my debt. Because at that time, I was making about twenty grand a year. Now, I'm know about you, but $200,000 divided by $20,000, we had to live out of that $20,000. Uh, that $200,000 debt was going to take a couple years, you know what I mean, to, to get that paid off. And I was thinking, man, how we ever, Lord, outside of your help, we ever go get this paid off. And I was thinking, yes, Lord, this is the solution. You have come through again, Lord. I love you and praise you for it, you know. So I go in there and I fill out the application. And this guy, he's all smiles and big. Thing. Yes, sir, Mr. Bonner, we're going to help you out. We're going to get you fixed up. You got everything lovely. You got just hang on a couple of days. I'll call you and come on back in for some good news. I went out of there singing the praises of the Lord when I walked out of there. Yeah, man, my feet wasn't touching the floor too good. You know what I mean? I was just, I was high. Not, 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 not like we, not stone like, not stone like Jen talked about last week. But anyway, <laughs> Paul was stone, but it was by rocks. You know what I mean? All right. So I never forget that was hilarious. But I walked out of there excited and, and man, sure enough, phone rang a couple, three, four days. said, come on in, Mr. Barnard. We got two good solutions for it. We got some, we got some good things. I went in there, sat out like this. I was like a little puppy about ready to get into a good meal. Man, I was, I was drooling at the mouth. It was so good. And he said, "Mr. Bonner, we got there's two options for you." I said, "He said, one option: one, pay all your debt, or two, lose everything you've got." (laughs) (laughs) Now, remember, I had friends owed millions had walked out and said, "Hey, man, they wiped my debt completely off the books." (laughs) Ooh, I'm sitting there and I go, "Yeah, that's right." What? He said, "Yeah." He said, Mr. Bonner, he said, "Um, we've got two options here. He said, "Um, you know, you were one of the few that put anything in somehow. Somehow another FHA had wrapped around and got my house even in it. And he said, Mr. Bonner, if you don't pay his debt, I'm I'm sorry. You're going to lose your house and your farmland and everything. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, and man, you talking about your balloon getting deflated. Man, it was like pow, (laughs) you know. And like when he popped one of them kids, I jumped. And I walked out of there and he said, uh, I said, wait a minute, I don't stand this. I said, I just talked to one of my friends over here. Y'all wrote a million and a half, two million dollars off of him. He said, yeah, but he didn't have any collateral. He didn't, he didn't put up anything. They just loaned him money just to loan it to him. So he didn't have anything to worry about. But you, he said, Mr. Bonner, I hate to say this, but you, uh, you were trying to do the right thing. And because you put up collateral, they, they got you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, Mr. Bonner, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. They're trying to crucify you. Because you did the right thing. And see, I kept going in there. Every year I'd go in there, let, let, let me pay some on this debt. And they were like, oh, no, 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 because they're going to do something to help you. And I'd, I wouldn't do it because they'd tell me not to do it. And now here I am, <laughs> about to lose everything I got. Everything worked for, everything my dad had worked for. And here we are. Boy, we are at a crossroads now. And I'm sitting there, and I've got to hurry story. but I'm sitting there, and I get in the car, and I sit down, and I told God, and, and, and he told me, and let me tell you why I did what I did. Oh, oh, here was another one he said. He said, Mr. Bonner, because every year you've been coming in and paying on your debt instead of for not paying your debt, that's why they're not going to help you because you've been doing the right thing. <laughs> Anybody ever been there before? You get crucified for doing the right thing? Oh, but I... We ain't through yet, though, <laughs> so I'm sitting in a, I'm sitting in a car, and I'm in tears rolling up my eyes, and I'm going, "Father, God, I have done up and tried to honor you. My dad told me, son, I don't care what you have to do, dig ditches, whatever you got to do, but if you owe a man, you pay that man. It's the last thing you do, son i'd rather, I'd rather roll on my grave than beat a man a penny out of what you owe him. And I'm trying to do the right thing, and here I am the old enemy just laughing in my face saying, ha ha, ha. see there? And I presented it before God, and I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And, but I'm going to tell you this, Father, I ain't being ugly, but it ain't fair. <laughs> it's just not fair. I, I was a little mad. I'll be honest with you. Not only was I mad, but I was, I was just weeping before God. <laughs> Y'all excuse me if I cry, but I'm telling you, I heard my Father speak to my heart and say, Son, have I ever failed you yet? i never forget one of those words I heard sitting in the car. Son, I have never failed you up to this day, and I will not fail you again. Oh and you're going to pay this debt because you owe this debt. You're going to do the right thing because you're not going to beat anybody. He said, when you don't pay this debt, it might be FHA, but it's still taxpayers' money that is paid and put this money up. And he said, I am going to allow you to pay this debt, and you're going to be able to walk out of there with your head held high, knowing that you did the right thing because I'm going to take care of you. Boy, let me tell you something. I felt about that big when he got through talking to me because I knew he was right. I knew he was right. I knew he was right. Guys, I'm here to tell you, I don't know how, other than God, that's all I can say, other than the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, in two years, two years, that $200,000, I was able to walk in and lay the last bit of that money down that was owed on that debt. And they gave me that title, that deed saying, you're paid in full. And I walked out of there with my head held high, just like the Lord said I would do. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if you'll turn your problems over to the Lord, he will allow you to walk out with your head held high and with an answer in your heart, and he will do what he said he will do in your life. But we got to trust. Here, he remembered that the battle belongs to God. Look at verse 18, got to hear it. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord and worshiped the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Korites and of the children of the Korites uh, stood up and praised the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice. Let me tell you something. The Bible said they worshiped the Lord even in the midst of what was going on. They praised him with a loud voice. Sometime when we get in our problems and we get these things going on, we need to begin to just praise God and thank him for his goodness. Amen. Amen. Oh, how many times I've been lowering a, uh, a bow belly button you know what I mean and I mean be down low on the ground and yet go in and begin to praise God be sitting in church I've walked in church before oh one likes to get me to start to praise on the prayer meeting I never get one night I was sitting over and I said God I don't feel like praising you tonight but you know what and I know one's about to ask me and I'm not going to be a hypocrite I'm not going to sit over and be a hypocrite, Lord. I don't feel like praising, but I said, but you know what? You are worthy of my praise whether I feel like it or not. Y'all follow me, what I'm saying? You're worthy of my praise where I feel like it or not. And let me tell you something. I begin to praise and praise the Lord. And let me tell you, the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. Amen. When you feeling down and you're out, begin to just thank him, God, I thank you that you're going to walk me through this battle. Yes, I may have a battle, but I'm not out, Father God, because you are on my side, and I will not give up in the midst of this battle. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care what the doctor has said. I don't care what people have said. I'll never forget, uh, Dottie Osteen went in and got a, just a horrible diagnostic about cancer in her body. And she told that doctor, you're lying, doctor. And it, and it got so bad that her husband had to go back and back, honey, you better come on out here. They're going to think you crazy. No, they're not going to tell me I got cancer. I'm telling you they're lying to me over here. And see, she wasn't fussing at the doctor. She was saying that report's a lie. It's just sad she lived another, what, 20, 30 years, something after that. (laughs) You see, she stood and she praised God in the midst of it, and she would not accept. She stood up and praised the Lord and began to tell them what she knew what God had said about the situation. There's a woman sitting right over there that dealt with breast cancer. And God, everybody in her family was saying, Oh, you need to get chemo. Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. Her doctor, even the first time she walked back in the office over, said after about a year, said, Oh, my goodness, you're still here. You know what I mean? They just didn't think it was going to happen. And I'm telling you here to report tonight, somewhat, 14 years later, here we are. F- what it was 14? Yeah, 14 because there's no sick. 14 years later, the doctor had told her, and the, and the doctor told her, said, We didn't get it all. It's not all there. But I'm here to say 14 years later, she still got a clean bill of health. Because you know why? She dared to believe God and stand on his promises. <laughs> Look at verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of teka and as they went forward, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, and ye shall prosper. Let me tell you something. we got to get to the place that we believe God's word, what it says. I'm telling you, if the Lord says it, he meant it. He didn't write suggestions in there. He wrote commandments in there. And he spoke what he meant and meant what he said. Amen? You can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong believing God for a miracle. You cannot go wrong standing on his word. His word is what we do. Here he told him. he said, I'm telling you. He said, believe his prophets and ye shall prosper. Man, you want to prosper. I love what Pastor Kemp said. He said, I'm telling you, the church is 24 miles wide and one inch deep. <laughs> Think about that. Where are we standing? Let me tell you a little thing, quick thing that happened real quick. We, we were in the field towing business. I was pulling banners up and down the beach. And the Lord began to speak to Brendan and gave her a dream about, uh, about I was flying this huge airplane. And I came in to land and she was with me. And we landed and rolled up to the end of the Bannerfield and opened up the door and got out of it and jumped out of the airplane. It was like a big plane, like a 737, and, and jumped out of a plane on a trampoline and bounced off somewhere else. And when she said it, I knew what it was that God was telling us. He said, son, this is about the end, and you're going to be jumping out to something else and doing something else. Now, everything in the business looked like it was wonderful, and that was the last thing I wanted to hear because I enjoyed it. I, li- I love what we did. But I'm here to tell you, as God is my witness, exactly the way God showed it to her and the way God, well, anyway, thank you, Lord, for his word. It happened exactly the way he said it was going to happen. I never forget back when we first got married, the Lord told us that you're going to build a house and you're going to build a house and pay for it in five years. Now, you talk about wanting to laugh. How many of you got 30-year mortgages in here? Anybody got one of them? I don't know why I waited uh, I, I don't know why I waited a uh, 62 years old pastor sign a 15 year mortgage. I'm planning on living a long time, ain't I? Yeah. I had a 31 up till to not too long ago and got it reduced down to 15 years. But see, when God tells you something, you can bank on it. You follow what I'm saying? If the Lord tells you something, stand on it. Amen. Stand on it. Don't let look left, don't look right. Let's keep moving now. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, verse twenty-one. And when they had consulted with the people, he anointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of His holiness. And as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord for His mercy endures ever. Do you realize that we praise God even before the answer is manifested? Isn't it interesting? He put the singers ahead of the military. Yeah. <laughs> You ever, you ever thought about sometime if we, when, we, when we get to praising that we just run the devil? Every time I think about a church full of people to praising, I see the devil with two bags in his hand and his little feet are running so fast it looks like two wheels and I see a trail of dust going out of town. <laughs> you know why? Because Satan cannot stand praise. Right. He can't stand it when you're praising God because let me tell you what praise will do. Praise will refocus your attention where it needs to be. How many times you come in here and you just really didn't, you were focused and you think about what you was going to eat for lunch and you're doing this and doing it and all of a sudden old Patrick and them get up here and go to play and, and them get to playing, and all of a sudden you're just in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. You see, that's what we need to do. We need to be praising God. And, and you know why, Pastor, I think we always have the music before you get up and preach? So we can prepare to get ready to hear the word. So we can get our focus on. So we, he ain't trying to direct our focus in. We already got it here. God knew what he was doing. And listen what happened when they began to sing. Verse 22. And they began to sing and to praise the Lord. What? And the Lord said what? Yeah. Ambushes. I mean, <laughs> remember what he said the battle was? It was the Lord's battle. And the children of Ammon and Moab and Seir, which were coming against Judah, and they were what? Smitten. You know what that word, smitten? They were badly defeated. I'm going to tell you what happened. And guess what? The, the Israelites, they didn't even have to lift a hand. God ambushed them and took care of it for them with them how to even raise their hand to do it. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped destroy each other. Isn't it interesting? You ought to see something. I love it when God will take the thing the devil was trying to destroy with and turn it on him and destroy him with it. See, you think the problem, here's why I want to go back to this thing what I was talking about a while ago. See, sometimes we look at things that come bad in life, we think, oh, this is bad. This, this, this is not good. But let me tell you something, if you'll give it time, that scripture in Romans speaks more to me than anything I think. For all things work to the good, amen, of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I don't think Paul just said that because if anybody had a right to say that all things work to the good, I mean, we read the other day, what was it, what, three times he was beaten with 39 stripes? Left dead two or three times. Oh my gosh, if anybody in the world had a reason to complain and fuss and bicker, but it wasn't Paul. He said, all things work to the good. Hallelujah. You may think right now, boy, this problem is horrible, Lord. But I'm telling you, Phil, just give it time because we're going to get to some real good stuff here in a minute now. Listen to me. Praise God. And they begin to pray. Look at verse 24. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked up into the multitude. And behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none of them escaped. Hallelujah. Can you imagine? I love the Old Testament. I don't know about you, but there is some stories in the Old Testament. Every time I read, we're in Kings right now, and I just love some of the stories in there. Some of you you people think you got to watch Star Wars to see good stories. Let me tell you something. Get in the Word. You're talking about there's stories that are way beyond anything the movie comes up with. You follow what I'm saying? I'm telling you, there's things that God will do that just absolutely amaze me. I go, wow, at the miracle that happened. Wow, God, the things you did. He looked over there. They began to come in sight of what was going on. They got to the watchtower and they looked and what every one of them were dead, their enemies. God gives a victory in an unexpected ways. Guess what? It might be different than before. See, sometimes we've got already the answer when we go to God. How many of you have you ever prayed, now God, let me tell you what you need to do. Anybody anybody ever done that before? (laughs) I got a word for you, Lord. (laughs) Let me prophesy a little bit here to you. I've got a word for you because I know, Lord, this is the way you need to do it. And you see, all of a sudden, sometimes God will bring the answer in a different way than you ever imagined, but I'm going to promise you it's going to be a better way that's going to bless you bigger in the long run if we give it time. I want to tell you what happened. We were, we were living out on Ono Island. Now, we lived in the ghetto section. Now, don't don't mistake, you know, if there's such things ghetto. We we really did. We bought a house out there that needed a lot of work, and we were able to buy it, believe it or not, cheaper than we could buy a house over in over in the regular part. Now, I'm not knocking anybody lives on Ono. Ono's a nice area out there. And and the sand's beautiful, it's white. In fact, it, it was so white one girl came from up north and drove in at night in the middle of summer and thought it snowed the next morning, you know. She got up and it's just white everywhere. She's like, my goodness, I thought it snowed last night. But anyway, but it was only 95 degrees outside. But I don't know where she got that from. But anyway. But we started going through some some tough times. And some of it was standing for God, just doing some things. And, and man, we'd have people. We'd have people come into our home. We had a a large God had just blessed us with a huge home over there. And we had youth groups that would literally come and come to our house, and there'd be 50 kids sleeping all over the house. And we'd have a, we'd have a conference out there. And, I mean, those kids would just get blessed and minister to. And, you know, we'd go over to Brownsville and take them over there, too. And they would spend the whole weekend with us. And it was just a good time in the Lord. But financially, things began to happen with me. that, that And, and I, oh, we took in a family that was living with us. I think it was, what was it, 14 we said, Brendan at the time living with us? Something like that. I mean, it was just. There was never hardly time. It was just us, our family in that house, maybe a couple of months, and God was just ministering. But in the middle of it, I looked around and man, I tell you what, I lost my job. Some health issues came up, and things were just looking really, really tough for us. And and finally, to the point that finally the company said, man, if we don't do something, we're fixing to, to foreclose on you. And boy, you talking about heartbreaking for me? I was like God. I've never been a man, a penny in my entire life. I, 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 God, I don't, I don't know what to do, but I'll just trust you with all this stuff. And man, I, I mean, it was looking, it was, it was, it was bad, Pastor. It looked, it looked rough. It really did. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, I'm thinking about bankruptcy and all kinds of stuff, and I'm like, this, this ain't right, man. Something's not right about this. And out of the clear blue, <laughs> a lady that didn't even know us, that worked at a bank, Came to our rescue and paid our house out of foreclosure. Just paid it off. (laughs) I was like, whoa, God. Just walked up and handed, stroked a check to that bank for $5,000. Never batted her eye twice. And she didn't even know us. Just had heard what was going on. And she said, the Lord laid it on her heart to go do it. And we got that house paid off. We got it sold and got it paid off. And you know what was even able to pay her back. But you see, sometimes the answer comes when we don't know what to do. And look what it said in verse 25. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoils of them, they found among them the abundance of both riches and dead bodies and precious jewels, and they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away, and they were three days in gathering the spoils. It was so much. Hallelujah. You see, God didn't just bless them, but he blessed them more abundantly. You know what I mean? I mean, he, he just dipped in and just gave them a huge blessing. The thing that the enemy meant to destroy them with was the same thing that God turned around and prospered them with. Guys, God, you may be saying, Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this, but give him a chance. He may very well prosper you out of the middle of this. Amen? I'm going to tell you something. If there's ever anybody in this church that believes in giving, this is this old boy up here. I'm going to tell you something. You cannot outgive God. And in the midst of this stuff, with all this stuff going on, we still gave every time we turned around. You may be saying tonight, I can't give, Pastor. You don't know I don't have enough money. The reason you don't have enough money is probably because you're not giving. Now, Pastor, you you can pay me after church for that one, okay? All right, (laughs) now. I love, I love what Pastor Kemp said. He, gets, he said, he'll take it from a tight boy, but he'd rather you be a good giver. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's finish this. Let's wrap this thing and go home. Think about this. What the enemy is meaning to do in your life, God wants to take it in blood. Some, some of you guys in big fishing, different ones that have gone through just tough things in your life, have you ever think that God, when he brings you out the other side, you're just going to be better? You're going to have a testimony. you going to have a witness of the goodness and the glory of God. I love problems in that. It just helps me to understand how good God really is. Don't you just love it when the Lord shows up? Have you ever had a bill you didn't know how you're going to pay and all of a sudden the very thing when it was just about looking bleak, all of a sudden you opened up the, the, the mailbox and there's a check in that mailbox just for the right amount for what you need to do and you're going, how in the world could God know that? Because you know that check had to be on its way before you ever got to that place. Or somebody walked up to you out of the clear blue and just blessed you with some money and said, the Lord told me to tell you to give you this. Don't you love it with just watching God work? Let's finish here. In verse 26, 27, and 28, it says, And in the fourth day they assembled themselves together in the valley, Baraka, or whatever. For there they blessed the Lord before the name of that same place was called the valley of Baraka unto this day. And they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat and the forefront of them. Uh, to go again to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with the psalmstries and harps and trumpet uh, into the house of the Lord. Let me tell you something they did and we're going to end with this. They remembered to say thank you and they remembered to praise God for the victory. How many times I think about the lepers. Jesus healed 10 of them. But how many came back? One. How many times has God blessed us, but we forget to say thank you, Lord? Thank you. You're so good, Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of the countries, for they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. Let me tell you something. When God comes in and moves, I, I, I wrote a little note to myself, it says follow through golf swing. Have you ever known how many of you play golf in here? Anybody? All three of you? Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I got out there one day, you know, I used to think golfing, I I am a kid, guys. I'm just to say it like it was when I was a kid growing up. I thought golf was for sissies. They just couldn't do anything else. And I got out and got to playing one time at the Bannerfield. We used to love go out and hit some balls, you know, and I found that's harder than you think it is. I'm going to tell you something. Drive that ball far or something. I've seen women drive a ball a lot further than I could, and I thought I could swing pretty hard. But one thing the golfer will tell you when they're doing it, you have to follow through with the swing. If you try to stop anywhere in the middle of it, isn't it right, Pastor? If you you don't follow all the way through that swing, it just won't quite happen. See, that's like thanking God. We go through all the process of getting through the victory, and then we forget to put the icing on the cake by thanking God for what he's done. And then you know what? Then the Lord wants us to rest after our victory.